2: What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. I'm your host, Greg. You're listening to episode 209. I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler. And guys, I'm, I'm really, really tired, but how are you guys uh, doing tonight?
0: Tired, but not in the sense of necessarily hockey, just from children. But also hockey and
2: takes. Hot, 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 hot. hot takes. I, what's the difference between a hot take and a dumb take? Is there a difference? No. So
1: I think the difference between a hot take and a like like bullshit is a hot take like has some factual information behind it and bullshit is just spewing bullshit out of your mouth just because you can kind of thing.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you can have a bullshit take but not necessarily a dumb take.
2: Yeah,
1: you can dumb have a hot take an is just one without take. any information behind it I feel like.
2: Sure, but I mean that's uh, a hot take I feel is just something that like you say it to ruffle some feathers and, and I mean, there's some validity to it or you could maybe it happens, but it's maybe not st- as stupid. There's just been so much so much stupid stuff lately just flying around and we're going to get to it. And it all involves generally Dylan Larkin. And I I just I can't I can't wrap my head around half of it because to me, it seems like if you did what half. Not I don't want to say half because it's the vocal minority. What a lot of these people say you should do, there is no way that literally the rest of the fan base would be happy going into next season, but I want to start. Um, the Red Wings were, they beat Vegas. They beat a great Vegas team. They did, and it was a good game. It was a
0: great game. Vegas didn't look great at the same time. Detroit also played ex- extremely They did.
2: They played a full 60 minutes. It's what we need them to Weird. do. Weird.
0: Against a good team, no less, they showed up again.
2: Yep, and then they uh, laid down and got run over by Philly. So, I didn't watch the game. I was at my friends in Indiana, but it was, uh, I, from what I hear,
0: not great. I caught the final six minutes. I got to see the Raymond goal. I saw Philly's second goal, I think it was. But other than that, like the, the last part of the game that I was able to finally see from after I got home, there was no sense of urgency. You're losing. In the third, late in the third period. And at home. Like, Going for it. I'm gonna... I, I, I know that their big thing this year has been strategic dump and chase. There was no strategy to this one from the little bit of game I was able to watch. I know. I, the strategy we went
2: out the window.
0: <laughs> I wish I could find the stacks. I remember Ken Daniels talking about how they had one of the best recovery rates for their, their dump in plays. I, I'd be really curious to see where that's at at this point. And if it's like just truly falling off the wagon in terms of their actual recovery, because it seems like they're getting beat to most of the pucks when they try to go to that opposite corner, even shooting it around. I mean, it's still effective. I, it, when I think when they were doing well is in like mid to high 50% range, but I feel like that's gone down. And like, just again, the sense of urgency against this Philly team who's not that good. I get it. It's a torts team. So they're getting into the way of every shot that you can possibly think of. But man, they just weren't skating hard, weren't going crazy until the final minute when they put on that pressure with the, the extra skater. Raymond finally scored. He almost got a second one, but it was a three inches to the left, and it's probably a tie game. But I don't get it, man. They just they play to the level of the opponents. They've done it all year. Get some. If they had consistency, we'd be talking about how they're pushing that wild card spot like no other right now.
2: Is that just what it is? We play up to good teams and we know we need to play really hard against good teams, but then teams we know that aren't that great, they just sit back and they get run over. Like they let themselves get run over by bad teams, but they come out and they just beat the doors off of good teams, which makes no sense to me, because if you can beat teams like Tampa and you can beat teams like Toronto, you sure as shit should be able to beat teams like Philly and be able to beat teams like Arizona. And it doesn't make sense. And maybe it's, hey, if we lose to the bad teams, well, it's not going to really affect us in the standings as much, but it will. It it does. You want to beat the teams you know you can beat, and then you try even harder to beat the teams that you shouldn't beat. And that's been the tale of the Red Wings for like two seasons now. It's like we're beating good teams. We're losing to bad teams.
1: I don't think there's an excuse for losing to Arizona in a shootout. I'm sorry. There just isn't, especially a team that was kind of reeling the Arizona Coyotes. And you lose to them in a shootout. That's just it's un, it's inexcusable. I'm sorry, it just is. And I know that their effort against Vegas was good, but then you go out there and you you can't score a goal until what the last five minutes of the game. And when Raymond scores, you're down two-nothing to that dog shit Philadelphia team. Like I know they've been playing better, but like, I mean, come on, man. Like the, the effort just has to be there. And I'll tell you what, you know, tomorrow San Jose, right? San Jose comes into hockey town. I mean, Another team that is not very good. They're kind of reeling too. And I wouldn't be shocked if they come out with a with a poor effort again because that's what they do against these terrible teams. And then, you know, you see Edmonton next Tuesday night. They come in to – like Watch them five beat to one. Edmonton like 5-1. Watch them beat Edmonton like 5-1. to one. Or, you know, they have Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver all at home, and then they have Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary all on the road. Watch them go like – six and oh in those or something ridiculous like oh that. no they'll lose
0: to vancouver both games because they, they're they absolutely
1: hot garbage well. right there you go there you go and i mean the other thing i should say too is is this team is incredibly frustrating to watch especially offensively because it's just like some nights they're putting the puck in the net whenever they want vegas. against vegas and then there's other games where they just they're not generating scoring opportunities they kind of just dumping the puck in, kind of going through the motion, and those are the games that if you want to be a playoff team or you want to be a team that's that's a cup contender, going you know down the line, you have to cut those games out because you don't see teams like Tampa or Boston or Colorado last year have those laxadaisical, you know kind of eh, we'll, we'll we'll play when we feel like it kind of game. Those teams don't do that, and that's that's really kind of what it comes down to. And the other thing is too. Those teams in those games when they don't have their best efforts still find a way to win. And, and that's the difference between where the wings are and where a team like I don't even want to compare them to Boston. Put them in, in the same category as like Toronto or something. That's the difference. Toronto's bad games are still winnable for them. Detroit's really bad games are blowouts. And that's the difference.
2: Well, I guess, and then I went back and looked at it, I guess what you, whatever you would consider a blowout, maybe that's like losing by four or more. We've had less blowouts because we've been able to come back towards the end of that game and score more goals and make them close. Our goal differential from the same point last season, if you were to go the same number of games last season to this season, it's down. Uh, it's our, so the team is improving. It's just, it's hard to watch the losses where they don't look like they're, they're trying even though they lose like that, that Philly game, it was a two to one. It wasn't five to one. So that's good, but it's, it's still a loss and we knew the team was going to lose. We knew they were probably at 85, 90, 85 to 90 point team, I think is what most of us guessed at the beginning. And we're trending towards the 85 point range. And I guess we just have to make sure the wheels don't fall off post all-star break, like completely fall off. Like they did last season. But again the stats that should be improving are improving. The ones that are not are mostly special teams stuff. And the special teams have been extremely rough again. It's like whenever Understand we it. It's like whenever we talk about it, the next like 5 games they go on a special teams like tear where they're really good and then they fall back into the lull until we talk about it again. So I guess just every episode we need to talk about special teams being shitty or else they'll just never improve. But I mean, it's it, buckle up for the fucking losses. I guess that's all I have to say because the amount that people go online and just bitch and expect us to just be this amazing. Oh, I bitched after
0: the Columbus game pretty bad. That was a pathetic loss.
2: There's a lot of people that expect us to go out and they expect us to have a stranglehold on a wild card spot and they expect us to absolutely make the playoffs. And I mean, I really hope that's not what you were saying at the beginning of this season.
0: That part right there. What you just mentioned about everyone freaking out about a wild card—I maybe they were a little less vocal, but they've come out of the woodwork lately, thinking that the moves that Eisenman made this offseason immediately made this a playoff team. Is that kind of how it's, it's it's been the
2: last like two, three weeks or so? It kind of. In the counterpoint, I always. Push back on is you also brought in a new coach and a completely new staff and new systems. And yes, a lot of new players, but a lot of new players who have never played together. And this team was probably also kind of built around, you know, having a decently healthy Tyler Bertuzzi and a Jacob Vrana in the lineup with those things. Yeah. Like that's that that was the the ask. I, I think if
0: that's what we're I mean, we were talking about a 40 goal season potentially from Vrana if he stayed healthy and was in this lineup.
2: And I think if you had Bertuzzi and Verona the whole season, you would not have seen Soderblom come up and play. So you wouldn't. I wouldn't have Bergie right now. Either. You wouldn't have Bergie right now, which I mean is, is he's been very good. So I guess if those moves were made with those other players in mind, then yeah, we're probably closer to a wild card position. You win some of those really close games, or maybe you don't let in that many goals in a couple. But that's not where we're at. And I don't think, again, people thought and there were, were people that thought Ben Chirot was going to be this not good. And he has been more than not good in, in the in a lot for a long run now. We're not a playoff team. Even if we make that wild card spot, there's there's zero chance you're making it past the first round. And it's just I think that's what Unless we he ran to into do Toronto. You. Sure, and then you make it to the second round and get your face stomped in. But I don't even know if I want to have that because then if the the Wings were the team, I think we said this last week, if the
0: Wings were the team that gave Toronto their first-round win, it'd be... Oh, we'd all
2: feel like shit. But I think that's what we kind of need to take our foot off of the gas when it comes to we need to rush to make a wild-card spot because we don't. We need to... Get our house in order before that happens, and that includes tightening up your special teams. That includes coming out and starting the game and finishing the game. Just don't let your foot off the gas. Don't go into a lull. Chase the pucks. Like be consistent. It's being consistent in your in your effort every single game is where they need to get before they make the playoffs. Can we just stop talking about playoffs? It's it's not going to happen this season.
0: Like I, I get it. We all. Absolutely want that to happen because LCA hasn't had one at playoff game yet. It will get freaking loud in there. I'm sure of it.
2: Oh, it'll be electric. Absolutely. At
1: what cost? I don't think there's much of a cost of making the playoffs this year, though. The draft pick doesn't really matter. I I don't think because you're not getting the bingo balls going your way anyhow. So you might as well push it as far as you Uh, can.
2: We're not, not saying tank. don't
1: go mortgage the future to make the no. playoffs. No, no absolutely no,
0: no. not. Not saying get rid of the, sell the farm at this point, but you've got a, a pretty solid top couple of picks this year. If by chance you squeak out and you just missed the playoffs, I think that's a better scenario at this point to try to hopefully jump in that top five. Now, am I saying give it all up? Absolutely not. I put a poll out there specifically asking that point. And thankfully, majority of the folks actually said, no, stay the course. Let's see what happens. Don't sell the team.
2: It's play the games and try to win. That's what it is. It's it, But that's the part. It's the try to win part that in a lot of games doesn't look like yeah. it happens until the third period.
0: We're not saying that they're not trying. Let's make sure no, we're clear on that
2: point. No, but we're not saying... Like like you said, Tyler, we're not saying sell the farm and try to make a push. We're saying if it happens, it happens. That's fine. This draft, very deep draft. If you're getting like a top 15 pick, you're probably getting a stud player. Got to get our bald analyst back on here. Yeah. And and we'll get Tony closer to the the draft to, to come on and talk about prospects. But I, I think that if you look at the big picture, no, it's not a playoff team. Yes, they need to definitely be trying a little harder and being more consistent every single game, no matter who the opponent is. Go in like every team you're facing is Toronto or every team you're facing is Tampa. They're the Coyotes. Who gives a shit? They're the Arizona Maple Leafs. That's what you're going to play. So I think that's where they need to kind of step up a little bit is, is in that area. But on kind of a sad note, and I guess not sad because it's not surprising or that we haven't had them all year anyways. Tyler Bertuzzi, it is now confirmed via Ansar Khan that it is a groin injury. It is not a back injury. It was originally said as lower body. Ansar put out today, Bertuzzi and in parentheses, groin, not skating. So this may be a way to put Bert on IR, which again, that would be the third time he's been on IR this season. Uh, And Zadina could slot in because Zadina is now listed as day to day instead of week to week. He is uh, he should be back soon.
0: Sounds like they might try to get him in before the All Star break, if he's if able.
2: With the way Bertuzzi's been playing, is that an even swap right now, Zadina for Bertuzzi?
0: No, not necessarily. I mean, you could argue before Bert came back from this stint that it would be the recent stint because the points weren't coming up, but he looked like the Bertuzzi that we're used to seeing.
2: Besides doing what he's supposed to do and scoring goals, true. Yeah, pretty
1: much. I mean that that's the biggest thing. I mean, but but considering how many injuries he's had. Um, I mean, he started to look better, um, you know, and the timing takes forever to come back, really. I mean, especially to get back into game shape and all that stuff.
0: Uh, it was definitely there on the second return, though,
1: yeah, 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 I mean, but like i said it it takes time it, and and it's disappointing to hear that, you know he's got a groin injury and he's not even skating, so that's gonna push him out even further and And then, if you talk about the trade deadline and and wanting to move somebody like him, i mean, Yeah, you could probably still move him, but you're not going to get nearly as much as you would have previously unless he can still come back. And and that doesn't really sound good from what I hear. The only positive about
0: it at this point is that if you're not going to trade him, you're going to get him for a lot cheaper than what you could have said. We were talking about last season. Short term deal. Good, cheap money.
2: If you were trying to trade Bertuzzi. I mean, a groin groin injuries happen all the time to players and it's just sore groin or pulled muscle or whatever. And they take a while to come back from because you don't want to push it because of skating issues. So that is, I guess, probably not as big a deal to teams who are looking at him. And like you said, he did look good in his last few games back before injuring his groin. So I think maybe you bank off the fact that Bertuzzi has shown he can be a 30 goal scorer but again, you're, you're selling low right now. So I ran a poll Oh, with that
0: salary. You're not going to convince anybody.
2: I ran a poll that was what seems to be the fairest contract. If the Red Wings were to resign Bertuzzi, are, are you guys re-signing Bertuzzi at this point?
0: Yes. If it's cheap, if it's sub, if it's five or under.
2: Okay. So the choices were one year at 6 million, three years at five point five, five five years at 5 million or other. And with, of the vote, uh, three years at 5.5 million, uh, took it. And with over almost 2,000 votes.
1: I almost don't think it would cost six to to get him to to take a one-year deal, especially considering all the injuries he's dealt with. And, I mean, I'm not saying he's out for the season. I'm not going to speculate that. But, I mean, we've got, what, 48 or something games left in the season. And, I mean, he's not going to skate for Lord knows how long. I mean, do you even see him coming back this season? Yeah, from a from a groin injury, absolutely. Right yeah, It'll probably. Be, I,
0: I could see him just being out through the the All Star break.
1: Yeah, you know, the fact that he's not skating, it's it, kind of alarming. I think.
2: I don't say alarming so? groin. You don't want to push groin injuries; you make That's them worse. So you true. just sit them. But I would say, if generally the lower the term, the higher the value on a contract, because they want to get paid up front. So one year, six million dollars is probably what you'd have to give Bert uh to get him for a year. Now, 3 years at 5.5, I I think that's fine. If Ryan, if you're more comfortable 3 years at 5, then that's and that's probably makes more sense since he's missed almost an entire season I mean, so far. I mean, to
0: quote Pete right now, what's 500,000?
2: Sure. And that's uh, well that's part of the Larkin argument too. But it's I. I mean, I would be okay signing Bertuzzi at three years, five and a half. My problem gets to where Bertuzzi wants five years. I'm not comfortable giving Bertuzzi no, a five year contract not. or anything that, that, more than that. You
1: don't give players like Bertuzzi, especially at the age that he's at. We've talked about this with guests. We've talked, about Greg, and you made this a good point as well. It's only going to be 28. I mean,
2: how with, old his he right now? Of, with his style, with he's 27, but with It'll his style of play, month. with yeah, his style yeah. of play, players like that tend to decline quicker.
0: Yeah, but even with it, I don't even know if you can go with the style to play with him because this year, I get it, he's been hurt, but in the games he's been in there, he's been doing more damage trying to block shots than he has been trying to put, on, put a body on.
2: He hasn't been on the ice to put a body on. True, but he I don't
0: know. I, I, don't, I don't think the longevity for him is going to be as much of an issue as just in terms of body contact and being a physical player.
1: No, I think he's the, the biggest issue with him right now. Um, I, don't, I don't want to call it injury-prone, because I don't think he's injury-prone, per se. Eh, you could argue that at this point. You could. You could. But even if he is, like, he's still a piece of this team that – I mean, you take Tyler Bertuzzi off this team. This team's a worse hockey team, right? We can all agree with that. no.
2: I mean, if uh, you take a, a, fully healthy, a fully healthy, a fully Tere healthy Bertuzzi, Bertuzzi. That, then yes, yeah.
1: yeah, you take him off off this team. They're a worse hockey team, unless you know Bergeron comes in and and you know he's he fills in on the first line or, or something like that.
0: But she's barely getting fourth line at this point, which yeah, is yeah, and, bad
1: and point. that's the thing. So it's just like it's frustrating because you know people are like, oh well, you know he he can break down, and, and I do, you know, I I kind of agree in a way, but. I mean, he does seem like that kind of rough and tumble kind of guy where he's going to play through injuries, and especially if we're a winning hockey team, he's going to play through injuries and do everything he can to help the team win, and you need players like that going forward too.
2: I don't know. My whole concern is that you look at a play style similar to a Brad Marchand and a Brad Marchand that just had to have double hip surgery at the age he's at. So that's that's the thing that's kind of terrifying to me is you get Bertuzzi's already had to have back surgery. He's already have each of his wrists fixed. Now he's out with a groin injury, which, again, is probably not that big of a deal. But it's it's injury after injury, but not just injuries, injuries that require surgery or injuries that require things that need a longer recovery time because they are more hurt. So that's that's kind of what puts pause on me for signing him real long. Now, a three year contract, again, that's still movable. And you could probably get him around the same as you signed him for last time, Ryan, because he hasn't done anything to get more money. So I think if you got him at around the three years, five million dollars again, and you needed to trade, maybe he picks it back up and you need to trade him next season. You just push that back by a season, which I'm fine with. I'm, I'm not in a rush to trade him right now.
0: As long as there's no stipulation on the contract, which obviously right now he has none, I, I, I'm totally fine with it. Like Larkin, give me the no trade, no movement, whatever you want to do. That's great. He did it with Coppen and Peron and Sharat, which was a little bit surprising, but these guys have been around the block. They're older, and I think they've earned what they've get, been given to this point. Now they get to choose I, the way I, I should phrase that is it's modified no trade. They can choose where they would go, more or less or not
2: go. Generally, it's a 10-team, no-trade list. Yeah, I think that's what all three of them have.
0: Uh, let's see. Cop's a 10-team. Braun is a 10-team. And Sherratt's a 10-team. So if they, they they can't get traded to shitty teams. So could Bertuzzi get that one? Potentially. And would it be the worst? As long as it's something like that, I'm not going to be too upset about it because it'll take some more... fight. Financial movement, likely, like if we want to see him get traded this year, it's going to have to be a three-team deal, most likely, if he's going to a playoff team. So that's about the extent of it. He gives a full no trade to Tyler Bertuzzi, though. Oh, white flag.
2: Yeah, that would be not very good.
1: Not good. I I wouldn't do it. And and the other thing, you don't give no movement, no trade clauses like that to players like that. I'm not saying Bertuzzi's a bad player or anything like that. But don't pull
0: up Ken Holland is what you're no, saying.
1: So you don't need to give Justin Abdelkader a full no movement clause. You hey, don't we don't, give...
0: we, let's not talk about him, please. <laughs> That's still, we're, we're already 2.3 million of it, or I should say 1.2 million of his uh, buyout next after this season.
1: You don't have to give Tyler Bertuzzi a no movement clause. He hasn't earned that. And um, you know, at the end of the day, you don't have to give him a no trade clause either. So I, I, I don't see the point in that. And honestly, at this point in time, he hasn't done much this year. So Five and $5 5000000 dollars for him at three years per or I'm sorry, at three years at five million per. I mean, that's a pretty good deal, especially for him, considering he hasn't done shit this year. So
2: that would give him a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar raise, which I mean, at this point, if you're him, I think you take it. Because before we were saying, well, if he's healthy and you trade him because he's going to be a struggle to get signed, he's going to want five years. He's going to want big money. He's going to want longer and big money because I mean, he's getting to the age where the next contract's generally the big one. But you need to or stay healthy. Yeah. Or you, but you need to stay healthy leading up to that. And that hasn't been that hasn't been the case. Um, but that is going to bring us to the just, I guess, ire of the Internet. Albatross or for this. Well, first, first, we'll just do this short thing. Rick Dallawal, uh from Dalawal at Dalawal Sports on Twitter mentioned the detroit red wings in bo Horvat conversation he's not the first person to have done that uh no those specifics thoughts. though which was frustrating
0: no. me because they got he was getting ready to go into, into details yeah they interrupted him Scott, because they're like, talking about boston blindsided with a different comment
2: because he mentioned brandon carlo that's why uh, as as being a trade piece from boston going to vancouver for bo horvat but i think that and then he's not the first person because Elliot Freeman on 32 Thoughts had also, and it was maybe Merrick, had mentioned Detroit too. But they mentioned in the fact that if the Dylan Larkin contract talks are actually stalled, that they might sign Bo Horvat instead. And uh, Prashant today posted a thing, which I agree with, that someone had asked him, Would you think a trade for Horvat pretty much puts a nail in the coffin on a Larkin extension? And he says he disagrees swapping Larkin for Horvat's a lateral move. You only trade for Horvat if you're confident in extending both him and Larkin, and that makes sense because you're looking for an upgrade. You're looking to upgrade the team. You're not looking to do a side movement and just stay the same and actually get worse defensively because Horvat is not as good as Larkin defensively. Yeah. So Horvat to me
1: is on like a team that's ready to win is a two C. I think. Like you know he's been a one totally. C man. Yeah, super. you don't want him
0: out there playing defense on a McKinnon.
1: Exactly. But so, so then I guess you would go Larkin and, and Horvath. I, I, I don't hate the idea of it because then it, I mean, in the end of the day, you want more good players, as many good players as you can have. Uh, and I mean, I guess it depends on what it's going to cost. First of all, to acquire him. And second of all, to, you know, sign him because you're not trading for him and then not signing him. That doesn't make sense.
2: Yeah. You wouldn't trade for him. Here, here's a trade proposal
0: for you. This is courtesy of our, our boy Mario here. Bertuzzi, Zadina in two seconds.
2: I don't think it does it. I don't think, like I said, I don't think Bertuzzi does it for teams right now. Zadina definitely doesn't do it for teams right now. And we do have two second round picks. so Both guys would immediately slot in the roster.
1: What about Verona?
2: I, I'm not comfortable, and I actually don't no. think teams are comfortable I don't think taking take right that now. right now.
0: I'm not. I'm not saying that as a, a knock on Verona, but you you don't want to necessarily trade. I'm not. I'm trying to say this in the best way I can. You don't. Tra- you don't trade for baggage, right now. And until he can get himself out of it, which it looks like he really is, there's awesome pictures going around of a Grand Rapids a Griffins event of all the players out. He scored
2: another beautiful fans. goal.
0: He's starting to score again. He looks like he's getting his touchback. Could that be enticing? Yes, but as as a team right now. I'd almost say there's a little bit too much question mark there as to whether or not he's really to the level that you would expect. Now that could happen if he got traded out and he comes in and he does what he did with when he joined a trade and goes off, but it's, it's a very high risk maneuver, but you could also say that's a high risk maneuver to trade for Tyler Bertuzzi. So I I think that Bertuzzi would be the safer pick at this point in time, rather than Verano.
1: What do you do? What would you give up to get, or that, I guess is the question. Oh, I'd go
2: Bert Zadina first next year. Yeah, it would have to be the 2024 first. Um, I guess what I'm looking at is more of a Tyler Bertuzzi, a second round pick, a third round pick, and then maybe someone like a uh, William Wallander or like an Albert Johansson, because we are going to have a log jam at deed. If you got to re-sign Jake Wallman, which you should resign Jake Wallman, because... That one's going to be interesting. It's, it's going to be interesting, but it's something I think you should do because he has been fantastic. And I think if you can get him signed before, and he keeps us up, he's a very, very valuable defenseman. So if you're left side, you want to get an Edvinson in or you want to get a Johansson in, you've still got a Wallander. So you've got, you've got surplus prospects, generally what are considered decent high-level prospects that you could move. In order to do a trade like that. So I think if you got a Bertuzzi, if they want to get a player like that that you has scored 30 goals before, you can throw him in there. You can get give up a Wallander or a Johansson, and then you can give up a couple picks. And I think that might do it. But I don't think Iserman is trading a first round, well, at least this year's first round pick. I don't think it's No, a I would pick. I would absolutely No, hope I wouldn't
1: that. I wouldn't trade this year's first round pick for
0: if it was protected with stipulations that it would drop to a second, then I would consider it.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay, but that, that, that's a good point.
0: A first for Horvath. I only said that for the sake of the, the discourse. Absolutely not.
1: What if you have the contract in place already? It's like a sign in trade and trading. Give up. Still first not trading my back.
2: first round pick. Not in this draft. No. What if it's protected though? Would it have to be like top fifteen protected? Yeah. I mean, at that point, I don't you think just they would a do second. a top
0: fifteen because the odds of Detroit making the first the playoffs are pretty much zero. I oh um, not zero, but you get where I'm I'm going they're vir- virtually 15, zero. Like top fifteen is almost guaranteed for them at this point. So the only way they're gonna get a protected pick is if it was top five, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, you wouldn't give them a first, you would give them a second and a third or two seconds, something like that.
0: Like that's where I think the two seconds could work out pretty well in making that push. So I like the Burt and a defenseman prospect because give them anything they need, but the only thing that sucks at the moment is over the last couple of years, we've had a lot of draft capital. We don't have that going into this the next couple of seasons. So that's interesting as well. I mean, that does that mean that they are truly turning the corner? I would hope so. So that's where a trade like this would make a little bit of sense. It's it's weird. It's tricky.
2: I also fully expect Iserman to pick up a couple more picks at the deadline, too. So there, our draft capital this season will probably go up a bit. Yeah, but for who? Uh, I mean, you could trade off an Mata. Maybe Mata. Oh, are we seeing a
0: Ned and or Helberg?
2: You could probably see one of them. I mean, I so you'll, see, you'll see a few. I mean, if you can somehow
0: flip Helberg for someone, I would consider that to be a win. Oh, yeah, because
2: he was a waiver wire pickup.
0: Yeah, and it's possible. Now, are they going to be crazy about it? I mean, Ned got waves, so there's nothing to lose there. But if you've got a team desperate enough, say Edmonton, either get they can either trade for ned or helberg and
1: boom profit yeah i mean my thing is is, is like you know who are you who are you trading i mean is, especially if you're what are you eight points back right now the last wild card spot i mean i guess if it gets to 12 or 15 then i guess you really have to have a conversation internally of okay do we want to move you know, pretty much anyone that's on the, the, you know, an expiring contract outside of like Larkin and Bertuzzi uh, or even Bertuzzi, depending on on the situation. Like, could you see someone wanting a guy like Suter? I guess he's not at the end of his contract either, but... or No, wait, hold on a oh, second. Suter's yeah, is. done
0: after this season.
1: Yeah, Suter. So Suter, Adam Ernie is another guy. Adam Ernie,
2: Pia Suter, Tyler Mata. Bertuzzi, Ole I don't Mata. think
1: anyone's going to want Osterley. Jake Wallman, if
2: someone wants to get get stupid and give you a first-round pick? That's hard. East. I don't think anyone's doing that. There's not the history.
0: No, I don't think you want to give up a Wallman for any type of compensation right now. Do you? You wouldn't give him
1: up for a first-round pick in this draft? I would. Considering how good this draft... You could still sign him in free agency.
2: That People say that all the time. That almost never happens. I was going to say Justin Verlander, but it wasn't Verlander.
1: It was uh, it was Araldis Chapman got traded. Also,
2: the not the same sport. No,
1: not the same sport. I can't even tell you if it's ever happened in the same sport. Has it? I mean, Tigers fans oh, thought that was going to happen. Placanitz. Placanitz got he got traded at the deadline from Montreal to Toronto, and then he signed with the the Canadians in the off season. But I mean, that's a smaller.
2: But like, it never, maybe, so. almost never happens. So the argument of just and this has been used on the on Dylan Larkin. Oh, just trade him somewhere and then he can re-sign in the offseason. That doesn't happen. Like, it just it, it doesn't make sense for a player to be like, Oh, peace, uh, hopefully I see you back next year. Like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense. And no one's going to do that. And, and as for Wallman, I don't think because the book of work is not there, He's just starting to take off now. I don't think anyone's to offer you a first round pick for him, so it's kind of a moot point there. And I'm not trading Wallman if if someone's going to say I'll give you a third for him, absolutely not. I'm going to keep him at that point. No, because
0: now you've got someone that can actually spur this team offensively a little bit. Can he's a tremendous skater. I mean, we've talked about him. I would say ad nauseum the last several weeks. He has made most cider better. He has made this team better. Letting him go. Now, who do you replace him with? I mean, you can and argue that you bring, up, you, can argue you bring up Edmondson. But I think at the same time, if you're playing the long game like Eiserman seems to be playing, you want to burn that ELC. You don't want to burn that first year of his ELC. So and you can't tell me that Robert Hag is a guy that you want to see on, on this team every night.
2: No, Robert Hag is not a person I would wish to see anymore. Do you want to see Ben Chirot back with Mo Sider? No, no. Again, Ben Sherat can take a nap. and uh, he, It's frustrating
0: know. because we were, we were enjoying the way Sherratt was playing, but as the season progressed, things got bad. And now they officially are terrible. Because what, what game was it? Was it last week, two weeks ago? Multiple times he just completely said, fuck it and left. And he abandoned his positioning pushed up on a guy and it led to two scoring chances against like Primo where the game should have been tied and, or losing because of it. But they, they thankfully it was saved. And also I forget the game. It was actually in, but they, they screwed it up. The first time they didn't even see the guy that he abandoned the second time ended up being a fantastic save. Like he is doing this far too much right now. And most people are probably like, Oh, I told you so. Well,
1: my thing with Ben Sherratt is, is like, I, I said this, I think it was last week, and then I said it the week before. He's just, he doesn't do anything particularly well. Uh, I know he, he's, he's more of an offensive defenseman than a defensive defenseman, but, but you would think with a guy of his stature and how physical he is, he would be one of those, like, you know, big, burly defensemen that blocks a bunch of shots. And is just kind of a stay-at-home guy. And he's kind of the opposite, which is, which is kind of shocking. And he hits Especially people, considering, though. you know, watching him play for the Canadians and, and stuff like that. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's weird. I don't know.
0: A highly overrated Canadian team that made a final because of a terrible situation.
2: Yeah. You know, the one that everyone expected to come back and just be amazing and they completely shit the bed. Yeah, that's Canadian's team.
1: We but- all knew that team was going to suck. Everybody did. Well, not
2: Canadians fans. Canadians fans being unrational? No. Yeah, never. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break before we get to the last subject of the night. Uh, we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. The NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wildcard round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 and free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get no sweat bet each day of the wildcard round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? And I guess it's too bad that the refs jobbed the Lions because they could make a ton more money if the Lions were in the playoffs. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on any NFL game and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And we're back. And the last thing we have to talk about, because it's literally what's been happening for the past three days now, four days, maybe a little longer, is that a chunk, and I don't even want to say big chunk, but a chunk... Of the Red Wings fan base has basically laid the entire blame of the Red Wings not being great on the shoulders of Dylan Larkin. Because, you know, a single player needs to be blamed for absolutely everything, even though that's the player who's your like best player on the team, puts in a consistent effort uh, nearly every shift he's on the ice, scores goals, gets assists, sets guy's up, makes people around him better. But for some reason, he is the problem. I've heard everything from he's not worth more than seven million dollars to you should probably trade him and get picks for him while you can, because he's going to. I had someone tell me today that Larkin is just going to fall off the face of the earth and not be good in three seasons. So it's and then tell me he's a good player. He's not a great player, but he's (laughs) good. Yep, yep. They said he's he's good. He's not great. Oh, Jack Hughes is elite. But Larkin Larkin is good. So it's. Jack Hughes, to be fair, is elite, but Larkin, Larkin is a lot better than good. Sorry,
1: yeah. But and that's
2: on. and I said the same thing. And uh, there's there was a kind of rumor that came out today, and it wasn't today. It may have been a few days ago, and uh, it was from an AnsarCon M Live article. And anything that starts with a Detroit contract rumor, it, I immediately immediately throw pause on because absolutely nothing gets out of Iserman. But people are saying, well, it was. Probably leaked from uh, Pat Prasan and the agents over there says that basically Larkin and the Detroit Red Wings are about a million dollars apart. Iserman's offering eight. Their ask is nine. They're a million dollars apart. And I think if that were the case, Larkin would already be signed by now. A um, million dollars. You split it. You give them uh, you, you make them feel good. You give them eight point seven five and you take that. Right. If you are Larkin, you take 8.75 it's offered to think you. I think so. Yeah. And that's a win for the for the Eiserman camp really. Yeah. And that's the it, the again a win yeah. for Larkin. I mean to be honest. Well, it's a win for the Red Wings. That contract will look really good in a few years. I I, I wasn't 85 what we were hopeful
0: the contract would end up being. I think I know we all guessed it between like 9.1 and 9.4 as the likely like spot that he would land at.
2: If you get but, him under 9, then that's a huge win. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And
0: it's And especially because in my bar for him at this point is if he's playing at a point-per-game pace, he is, again, below that. Now, it's 41 points through 44 games, so very quickly he could eclipse that point. But he's also 30th in scoring for centers right now. To me, to get that bump over nine, you need to be top 15, top ten
2: but oh, so let, me counter, let me care counter I don't's going up. well, let's counter with this. uh his top winger all year has been Lucas Raymond, and Lucas Raymond slumped for the first half a season, basically. okay. so who's putting the puck in the net because you got to remember Dylan Larkin is a playmaker first and a goal scorer second. It's always sure. been that way
0: sure i i'll I'll give you that. Bo Horvat's got 49 points in 46 games on a terrible Vancouver team.
2: Who's he feeding the puck to? Who's himself. leading Okay. But again, Bo Horvat's a goal scorer. That's a Bo Horvat quality. He's a goal scorer before he's a playmaker.
0: Tage Thompson has 61 points.
2: That I I do not think that is repeatable for Tage Thompson. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, who's feeding I them? think it
1: is. I think Tage Thompson's a real deal. I really do. It
2: took him long cousins, enough to get to this point. Elias
0: Pedersen, 54 points, cousins. 35 assists.
2: Cage Thompson plays with Cousins. Yeah, right. no, he plays with Skinner and Tuck. Uh, all I'm saying is if he's if he gets that average
0: over a point per game, I have a better feel-good moment about saying that, yes, he can take over $9 million a year. Without that, that also would put him up toward the top 15 centers they're scoring centers in the league. That needs to happen to me to make it an appropriate contract. And we talked. I even was talking about this before the season.
2: I guess. How much value do you put on defense?
0: I mean, I look at most of these guys, and they're a lot of them are two way players. Who? Leon Drysaitel.
2: Take take Dreisaitl and McDavid completely out. Uh, Drysaitel McDavid Austin Matthews completely out of the equation.
1: Hughes Stamkos Crosby. What about McKinnon?
2: That's out of the equation McKinnon's making $12.5 well.
1: million next year. No, no, that's what I'm saying. That's out of the equation as well. McKinnon was also hurt, but
0: he's still at 51 points.
1: But more more like a Stamkos deal
0: then? Benajed, Kyrou, Escher, Tavares, Pavelski, Shifley. A lot of these are two-way centers, all with more points than Larkin right now.
2: And how many have more games played? Everyone most that I two. looked at earlier, most have four or more games played than Nil and Larkin this season.
0: Okay. But they also are scoring at a point per game or more pace.
2: Cage Thompson, EV offense eighty six, EV defense two. I didn't say I didn't call him out for playing defense. Who else plays defense? I think Thompson's a pretty good th- these guys defensive do. center. It's a big. Guy he has a two percent war for defense. Tyler, two percent. What's his uh, What's his uh, actual
0: hockey reference? Steph? The stat line for defense. How many defensive zone draws he taken?
2: I I don't count defense on defensive zone draws. That's just how many times you're played in the defensive zone.
1: The other thing is, too, when you talk about the contract and you talk about kind of comparables now, maybe not goal scoring wise, it's apples to apples, but it's still a contract that Steve Eisenman signed. And I think it was in the summer of 2016, he signed Stamkos to an eight year, 68 million dollar deal, which is basically eight and a half million dollars per year. Um, for that eight years. I mean, that's a pretty comparable contract, I think. I mean, obviously, goal scoring wise would say differently, but including
2: the cap going up and everything
1: else. That's a pretty comparable contract, I would say.
2: I mean, if you look at that, though, you've also, again, got to take into account that rates have gone up since 2016. That was well, a long rates time ago.
1: Gone up, but- Stamkos now, if he was a free agent and and, and at that age, not at the age that'd that be he a ten now, plus million
2: dollar contract. Easily. It would be a
1: ten or twelve million dollar contract. What I, was I his yeah, percentage
0: of the contract at that point? That's eleven point six four, it says. So now, I do what's eleven percent of the the current cap? I think that's what we came to for what the rough average should
1: be.
2: It'd be a little over eight million. So that's what Larkin's worth then.
1: Eight and a half, somewhere around there. I know if you have to get it to nine just to get the deal done, I would probably do it, to be honest with you. Because we've talked about this before, and I've talked about this with other people as well. Losing Dylan Larkin sets you back three years. Two to three years. Two to three years, unless... Yeah, I mean, there is there is no coming back from that. That like obviously it'll it'll take some time. And the other thing is too, like, who are you going to sign to replace him? You're going to sign Bo Bo Horvat in the offseason? And again, that's a lateral move. That's that that not only is a lateral move, but Bo Bo Horvat is having a career year right now. Who knows if that's going to continue next year?
2: And these are all points that you try to make to people and they just yell at you and tell you you're wrong and that Dylan Larkin sucks and that the team should get rid of him and that he's just a loser and he'll never be any good at hockey. And it's like they've never watched a Red Wings hockey game where he plays. It make to me, it makes no sense because you try to say that you try to say, hey, getting really Dylan Larkin. If, say, you get a top prospect for him, you get a young roster player and you get a few picks, a first and a second because, I mean, your, your initial ask for Dylan Larkin should honestly start at two first round picks and go from there. But say you get a, a really good young prospect, you get a, a what some would consider consider a stud prospect. You would get a good young roster player and some picks. But again, that good young roster player is probably not a top line center because teams are not playing you a good young top line center for a top line center. Mm-hmm. And you you get a good a stud prospect who has probably never played an NHL game. That's not a guarantee. You're getting picks. Those are not guarantees. So, like you said, you're setting the rebuild back two to three seasons at least by getting rid of your number one center with no replacement. And you could say, Oh, Marco Casper. Marco Casper's never played a game on North American ice. A meaningful game on North American Ice. Yeah, and it's you just, talk
1: you talk about like like prospects not panning out, like you don't know. I know, I know. It feels like nowadays prospects pan out a little bit more than they did previously because of data and because of of things that we've learned and, and stuff like that. But there's still chances for bust. I mean, look at Cabo Caco and Alex Lafreniere uh, with the with the New York Rangers. I mean, both of those guys are were not Caco specifically, but Lafreniere was supposed to be a can't miss generational talent, and it hasn't materialized for him.
2: Yeah, and I think they fucked up his development. That's another half of it. The Gerard Gallant apparently hates rookies, but it's it, that's that's only half the story. Like you said, look how how bad did they nail the uh, just no pun intended nail Yakupov draft? Like there's guys that get drafted high that fizzle. People, okay, bring it closer to home. Who hates Philip Zadina? Literally seventy percent of Twitter doesn't like philip Zina, and that was a high draft pick so you're going to tell me you're going to you take this hi, these high draft picks you're going to take these high draft picks for dylan larkin and then they don't pan out and then how pissed off are you in five years when you're still not in the playoffs yeah, that's that, just, that's the point we're trying to make is you want to be in the playoffs but you also want to trade your top center that makes no sense absolutely if, if you wanted to say if we had jacob verano right now fully healthy had 35 goals and was lighting it up and you said hey we don't look like we're going to make the playoffs trade jacob Verana. sure that's a winger great go ahead trade the winger your center is arguably one of your most important positions on the ice and if you have no one to replace him and you make trying to make andrew kopp your number one center you're trying to make joe valeno your number one center like what what are yeah. we doing what are we doing here and you can just say it's because you don't like Dylan Larkin, and a lot of people they go, "Well, I like Dylan Larkin, he's a fine player. he's just not worth the money he's asking, but again, y- you want to see growth in the team, and you're one of the people that's pissed off that we're not making playoffs how do you How do you square that in your head
1: no. you know what i you know what I don't get, and I'll say one thing right now is is the people that that bang the drums and say that Dylan Larkin's not a number one center, and we can we can argue that um you know to the cows home home really um and we're not going to get anywhere because there's still there's still these people that just don't think that dylan larkin's a first line center and on the red wings he is the first line center and there's nobody better than him on the red wings you want to go to free agency there's probably nobody better than him in free agency right now at this point in time trade market okay maybe maybe that's a little bit of a different story however you trade Dylan Larkin, that's your centerpiece that you were supposed to build this whole rebuild around. That's gone. So now you have to rebuild not only the center position, but then you still have other issues. It just it makes zero sense to move on from him. The only way I would move on from him if he's told you I'm not re-signing, trade me. That's the only way I'm, I'm trading him. Because at that point, I'm not re-signing. You, you got to trade him for something to lose him for nothing. That is the only way I'm, I'm moving them. And the other thing is, is too, is like, even if you're, you're a little farther apart, you can still come together. There's still time, you know, after the season expires during the playoffs and all that stuff to, to get a contract done. Right. So it's, it doesn't make sense to trade him. uh, You know, if you still think you have a chance to keep you know, to, to keep him around for a while. Uh, If, if, He's told you I'm done. I'm not doing this negotiation anymore i'm I'm done in detroit i i'm I'm moving on in free agency then then obviously you have to think about trading him, but that's the only scenario I can think of to move him.
2: Uh-huh. I had someone today tell me that Dylan Larkin is a third or fourth line center on a good team. That's the no, dumbest
0: person you could have engaged with ever. You you can argue that all day, and I honestly you can say he's a first line center or second line center. It doesn't matter if he's in either spot on a playoff level team, he's going to perform for that team, yep. whether it's on the first line or the second line. Now is he is he going to be first line over McKinnon or McDavid? No, Matthews. No, doesn't matter. That's if that's your baseline for who you're compares, comparing him to a Stamkos. Okay, sure. Some people will probably say Horvath's the better option because of the goal scoring. But you're looking at the overall level of play that he's bringing to this team, and it's a 200-foot game of hockey. You look at Steve Eiserman, not trying to say that Larkin's an Eiserman, but he played a 200-foot game, and he credited, what, 95, 96 season, right, right around the time that Scotty Bowman came to town, made him start playing defense, and he became one of the top defensive forwards in all of hockey. Same with Sergei Fedorov. And guess what? They turned out just fucking fine.
2: And how old was it? Or how old was Iserman when he won his first cup? Because it wasn't 26. Was it, he was in it was like 30s, 30.
0: right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was over, yep. over 30. But, and also for comparison with Larkin, I was waiting to throw this in there. When we looked at it forever ago, Stamkos, when he signed his deal, was at 11.5% of the salary cap. If that is what Larkin signed for at this point in time, that's a $9.6 million deal.
1: He's and not he won't that. sign and for so 9.6 million. No.
2: Yeah, he's not getting that. I but would say give him 10%, some, 10%. Give him 10% of the cap. I would say you argue it, it
1: would probably come somewhere between 8.5 and 9.2, somewhere around there. Like, I would be pissed if it's any more than 9.2 per year. Could you do a 8.75 and split the difference? I mean, that's kind of what you suggested earlier, right? An eight-year, $8.75 million deal just to get the deal done? Or or do you go to that nine just to get the deal done? I'm of the, the belief at this point you have to get the deal done. You don't – like, this isn't a pissing match who should win win this or lose this because in the interest of both te- both parties involved here, um, Dylan Larkin wants to stay in Detroit. We all know that. He's from Michigan. He played at Michigan. We all know that, Okay. Um, And then, you know, it's in in the wing's best interest to keep him because he's the captain. He's the first line center for now anyways, unless uh, Marco Casper comes and replaces him or somebody else comes and replaces him down the line. But he's the first line center and he's your captain. He deserves to be paid handsomely.
2: I think the thing is is that you can't, like you said, unless he requests a trade, you need to do everything you can to sign him. Because if you don't, again, people are going to be pissed off. Not that just that Larkin's here because there are people that are just pissed off by his presence, apparently. But they're going to be pissed off that you're again, you're a worse team and you're about to be a worse team again next season and the season after. So um, I guess we'll end it with that. The last word on contract negotiations was that they would pick back up after the all star break, which I guess is a good a time as any to pick them back up. Because Larkin's going to the All-Star game. So they can't talk during the break because he won't be there. I mean, they can talk with his agent and, and via phone and stuff, which will probably end up happening. Is probably been happening regardless. But we'll see what happens. I have a feeling that it will... I think that it will get done before the trade deadline. I don't think they're going to wait out the trade, dead, trade deadline knowing that they got him locked up. But I think it will happen. And if it's a million-dollar difference, just give him the 8.75 and, and go. Because it's it's not worth squabbling over. Would you um, give them the nine to get the deal done? Yeah, sure. Give them the nine to get the deal done. I'm not going to, again, not going to fight over $250,000. It's not not going to be my fight. If it was a different player, maybe, but not, not Larkin.
1: Yeah, Larkin is the one player that we've talked about on this team. And now you have Cider and Raymond as well that are untouchable. And so when you have an untouchable player, you extend yourself to keep them. And, you know, at this point... There's not a player other than Raymond and, and actually, I wouldn't even say Raymond and Cider yet, but there's not another player on this team that I would extend myself to, to keep like Dylan Larkin. There's not. There's not. It doesn't, doesn't make sense. Maybe Cider, I guess, but it's still a small sample size. And your, your young
0: guys right now are the ones you would do that for. That's about it.
2: Yeah. Your core. And your core right now is Dylan Larkin, it is Moritz Cider, and it's Lucas Raymond. And you've got other guys like Edmondson, like Casper, that aren't part of the core yet because they haven't played a game. But that's pretty much your core. And I mean, I'm about to throw Jake Wallman in there. So we'll see what happens in that department. But I want to get you guys this final thoughts before we sign off. We're going to start with Ryan. Uh, final
0: thoughts are I need to calm down. Everyone take their blood pressure meds tonight. Ne- need to bring it down. I, I know there's games you're going to get pissed off at. That's besides the point, but. The contracts, who's on the team. I get that we get connected to players, but I feel like it's getting to a different level at this point. And you're not going to be happy with every move that's made. Like we, the freak out with Rana and Ned, while I understand at the same time, like, first of all, they were hurt. Second of all, they're not hurt, but they weren't with the team and or not playing well at all. This is a business. First and foremost, I get it. there's people behind these decisions and people that get affected by it, but at the same time, if you don't win in the NHL, you don't have a job. Not only are the players playing for a job, the coaching staff is playing, playing for their job, the management is playing for a job. Does Eiserman have a huge leash? I'm sure he does. At the same time, he still is trying to make this team better. None of the moves that he's been made this season have necessarily made them worse. You could argue that that they're kind of in the same spot they were last year coming into in, in the all-star break. The goal goals against are better. I mean, there's semantics that you can argue saying that this is a better team. And I would say that they are, but at the same time, they're still not a good, a great team. They're a good team depending on the night, but there's still a ways to go. So relax, let it play out. Larkin gets traded, then you can go ape shit and have at it. I don't really care at that point because everyone's going to be pissed off. But again, you just got to see what happens with it. Not saying that's going to happen. I want him re-signed here for long term. You've got your you solidify your, middle, your center position for years to come. But let it go. Already Ryan33.
2: In the words of Elsa,
0: Ryan. I was singing that earlier.
1: My thoughts, my final thoughts are basically just you, you need to before you start firing off stupid tweets or you, you start firing off dumb messages on Facebook or whatever, take a take a deep breath and think about what you're about to say and how fucking dumb and, and buffoonery it sounds like. No one's going to
0: take a step back on Twitter or for social media at this point. Come on now.
1: Because it just, it doesn't make sense to trade a guy like Dylan Larkin. Ask any of the other teams throughout the NHL if they're going to trade their first line center. and Other than maybe Vancouver right now, right? Um, Ask any of those teams and they're going to tell you, no, we're not trading our first line center, even if they become they're set to become a free agent at the end of the year. And they're going to tell you, no, I'm not trading that guy. So it doesn't make sense. And again, like I said before, just Take a deep breath before you say something stupid online and, and, you know, you get kind of aired out here on us. So get, give us a break by, by you thinking before you act, I guess is the, the, the moral of the story here, but. Um, Vancouver's you know, looking have- to just
0: yeah, make you eat your words though. They're going to trade their captain and their first line center. So.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. Ex- well, I mean, that, that uh, that's why I said, like, with the exception of the Canucks, I think that might be the only one.
2: Uh, That's a that trash organization right now that they just fired Bruce Boudreau after leaving him out to dry for over a week after it was reported that he was going to be fired and replaced. And I don't they understand found that the TNT that. contract that uh, says that the only way Tocket could leave is if he gave them like so far advanced notice. So he was he was hired. Basically, he knew he was going to have this job like weeks ago. So it's it was just wow. really shitty to Jim happen Rutherford, to Bruce. everybody. That kind of sucks, though. I mean, talk it. I like it sucks. And then and then the Canucks called Elliot Friedman to tell him it was their fault to tell him him it was his fault that they got such bad coverage because he leaked that Boudreaux was going to be fired.
0: Well. You know, oh, you're going to talk about Tockett talk leaving the broadcast? Is that yeah, was, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going to say. You know, no, he was fantastic on there. Well, when he busted out the whiteboard and just sh- watching him kind of talk through plays, it was pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, he's 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 a personality, and I know he's been on other podcasts, and he has some stories, you know, for from the old NHL, this NHL, the NHL we all grew up watching. Um, he's he's going to be missed on there for sure. I mean, he's he's one of those guys that you know he. He can kind of bright up, brighten up a room or a conversation, you know, right away, because because he's been there. He's been on the bench with Sidney Crosby and of Denny Malkin and those guys, and winning Stanley Cups as an assistant coach and stuff like that. So he's definitely been there. I actually happen to think he's going to be a good coach. I, I mean, this Canucks team is kind of a dumpster fire right now, so it's not going to be right it's away. All he's That's
0: been in charge of his dumpster fires, and he hasn't been that great with them.
2: Yeah, he's not gonna, he's not going to change this Vancouver team. No, not right. No, definitely, definitely not. But,
1: but going back to the Bujo thing before we sign off, what a disaster. I mean, not only did they leak it out, but then they give them a game and they tell him before the game, you're going to be fired after the game. And what a moment though, in Vancouver, the fans kind of saying goodbye to him. And it's, it's strange because he didn't really do a whole lot there. The whole Bruce, there it is, but the fans of Vancouver seem to like him. It's so weird. It's, well, it's, like, it's I, because I don't he's think not I've a bad coach. Like that's that. the problem.
0: Like he is a good coach and he got shit on.
1: He's also a coach that should be coaching a team that that, you know, is, is a playoff contender. Or, you know, I guess maybe at this point it's probably time for to retire. I
0: mean, but. you could argue that this was a team that was ready to compete.
1: Yeah, that's true too. I mean, they they do have some good players. I don't I don't understand why it just didn't all mesh together for them, but they got off to a horrific start, and we all knew that at that point they were probably what did they get off to like 0 and 0, 06 and 2 or something ridiculous like that? And they couldn't get out of that hole, and they were never going to get out of that hole. So, no matter what you have, whether it's Boudreaux or Tocket or, or those guys, I mean, you're not getting out of the hole that you dug yourself in early in the season. So, Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter at Seal Dog 91.
2: Uh, Apparently, Flavor Flav is at the Pistons game. (laughs) I don't know that is. And he is rapping over the Jumbotron, so... That's cool, I guess. You can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at GrindlinePod. We like to give a shout-out to the Hockey Podcast Network for hosting us. We also like to give a shout-out to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your hockey jerseys and all Detroit sports jerseys from and worked on. If you use the promo code Grindline at Howie'sHockeyTape.com, you get 10% off your order. Because you that same promo code at bring hockey Back, you get 12% off your order. You can check out our merch at RedBubble.com by searching The Grindline, and we would love for you to go over to our YouTube page, subscribe, and turn on the notification to get an alert whenever we post new content. Uh, There will be more stuff coming up towards the trade deadline. Uh, Might do something a little extra in the All-Star break. We'll see what happens. But that is going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.